Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered, so many people gathered together there. There was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Good to be with you all this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, so I was, I've been gone two weeks. First week I was um, visiting some family. Second week I was preaching at a church that uh, supports us in, in Charlotte. Um, but both of the Sundays, I was like, I want to go to my church. <laughs> so I really have uh, missed y'all now. Um, I'm so thankful for you all. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that. Um, so I'm excited to dig into the scriptures today. Um, there's two directions I'm thinking about going. I'm trying to decide which one I'll go. I'm going to go this one. All right, so here, here's, here's, this is actually not part of the sermon, but I just wanted to share this with you. Um, what I want for our church is that we will be a church that's hungry for the Lord. And, and, and Psalm, I believe it's 42, David says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And here's what I know, is that God promises to draw near to those who are hungry. In the book of James, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jesus says in Matthew that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And so if we, if we were to hunger for the Lord, we don't have to question of if he's going to satisfy that hunger. I don't know about you. I, I want the nearness of the Lord. Do you? I want the Lord to be near. I want him to be near for me, for my family, for our church, for our community. And I tell you what, I think he will draw near to a hungry church. So let's see what he has to say to us today in, in, in Mark 2. The thesis of this is, is that, that we ought to bring our friends to Jesus because Jesus has the authority 
to forgive sins. We have to bring our friends to Jesus because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak powerfully through your word this morning. That that our hearts would be attentive to what you are saying. Lord, I pray that that you would help me speak by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And that you would produce love and obedience in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to start with the first two verses. It says, when he, Jesus, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. He was speaking the word to them. What I get from this is that Jesus loves to teach his people. Jesus delights to be with and teach his people. The context is this, that Jesus had recently gotten back from a ministry trip. And if you remember last week, that was a pretty exhausting trip that people were coming to him from all over, wanting to be healed, wanting to be helped. And here's the beauty of it. Even though Jesus might have been tired, even though he might have wanted some time to himself, when people came, he welcomed them. He welcomes the hurting. He welcomes the hungry. I want you to hear this. Jesus is constantly welcoming you. There's not a point in time where he's like, I don't feel like it today. He is constantly saying, come to me. In fact, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know, has anybody ever been weary? Anybody ever felt some burden? Sometimes, sometimes I truly feel like, if, sometimes I feel like I'm crawling to the Lord because I'm tired, I'm burdened, I'm stressed, I'm just crawling. And Jesus is sitting there going, come, I will give you rest. I will restore your soul. He never tires of us. Listen, the reality is we tire of people that we like. Some of our favorite people, there's a day where I'm like, man, not today. You know what I'm saying? But listen, all the time, Jesus is saying, come to me. I'm not tired of you. He looks at us with love. Sometimes after a long day, you know, my day, I'm at work, and then, and then we, me and Caleb joke, we go home, we do our other work, which is parenting, right? And so, so we go home, and, we're, and, and you know, when the kids go to bed, and you, you finally get to sit down. Y'all know that moment, some of y'all might not. When, when you sit down, you're like, <sighs> you know what I'm saying? You know, like, like if, I, if, I, if my fireplace worked, I'd put a fireplace on, I'd drink some tea. I, my fireplace doesn't work, so I put it on the TV, whatever. So I, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the fire. I hear a little crackle of the fire, you know what I'm saying? I'm drinking my nice tea. And then, then a, a child comes up. Now listen, listen. Now sometimes he's tripping. Sometimes the child's being bad. But if my child comes up and if he, if he needs something, or if he's, he just wants to spend some time with me, I'll pause my time of relaxation and say, now you come on over here. You sit with me. Listen, listen. I get tired, you get tired, but Jesus does not. There's, there's, there's no end to his compassion. And he welcomes us this morning. So remember, remember, he is constantly welcoming you. He does not get tired of you. 
Our sister Ann brought, brought uh, a word this morning. She, she shared with me, I think, I think I'm supposed to share that verse from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. I said, well, cool, because I'm a preacher about it. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Uh, so I have a sense that some people in here truly are fe- feeling weary and tired. And I want you to find your rest this morning in him. What I love about these couple of verses is that they went to be with Jesus even when there wasn't a seat, right? They're like crowding around the door. There's heads poking through the windows. L- listen, I- I'm sure it, was, it wasn't like they had air conditioning either. Listen, listen, they did not care what obstacle was in their way in order to be near to Jesus Christ. They ran to be near there, and even when it was not comfortable, even when it didn't have the best seat in the house, if you will, they still said, well, I'm going to get as close as I can, even if I have to kind of wade through some of these, these obstacles. Listen, we, we have to crowd around Jesus. No obstacle ought to drag us away from his teaching. No inconvenience ought to drag you away from him. Listen, I, I want to say to some of you, you say, no, I don't have time to, to really seek the Lord. I, listen, don't let sleep steal your communion with Christ. Do what you have. Listen, if they can stand in the hot sun and poke their head through a window, we can get up a little early. If our soul is truly hungry and we're truly weary and we know we would find rest, then we would go no matter what the obstacle is. In this life, there are, there are a variety of obstacles that would, that would try to prevent us from coming near to Christ. I don't know, ever, ever seen an American Ninja Warrior? Okay, I would not do that because I don't care what's at the end, okay? I don't, I'd watch it, but I don't care. I don't care. But listen, but listen, if our life is like that obstacle course and Jesus Christ is at the end, then my behind going to jump over some stuff because I need to be with him. Don't let your guilt hold you away from him. Don't let shame hold you away from him. Don't even let suffering hold you away from him because in your suffering, you're questioning if he is near. Listen, don't let anything hold you back, but run as fast as you can to be near to Jesus Christ because he is the one that gives you rest for your soul. Let's emulate these people. I don't care what I got to do. Let's get to him. Not only should we get to him, but we should seek to bring others to Jesus. Look at verse 3. It says, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Now, y'all, that had to take some desperation, right? You had to be pretty desperate to haul somebody who cannot lift themselves up on a roof and start tearing a roof off. But think about it. When we think of someone who's, who's sick in this way, someone who might have this affliction of being paralyzed, you got to think back in the day, there was no social support. There's no medicine. In fact, in fact, the, the society just looked down on them and thought, because we, I know this, because, because when Jesus went to go heal a paralyzed man, the disciples said, did he sin? They're like, you, you, it's because of you. You paralyzed because you're tripping. Listen, this, feel the, the ostracism and the, the isolation and the hopelessness that this man felt. 
And then think about his four friends who would have seen him in his suffering. I know that they love this man because they went to such efforts to get him to Jesus. But, but imagine them going, hey, man, I, 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 know, I know it's not because you're a bad person that you feel this way. And I know that that person doesn't want to be near you because you're, you're paralyzed. And I know that people will just want to look the other way. But no, I'm, I'm with you. Listen, these friends paused, saw his suffering, and were moved by it. Listen, when they saw their friend's suffering, they didn't just observe and say, that's interesting. Or they didn't just see it and say, I'm sad. But they saw the suffering of their friend and they were moved to action. So the question for us is, is do we see the suffering of others? Do we see it? Do, do we pay attention? Do we ponder it? Listen, the question is not if somebody is suffering around you. The question is, do you see it? Have you allowed your, your heart to be moved by it? Has it caused you to do something? There are times when, when, I, when I think about um, friends and associates I have in this neighborhood, and I, know, I know some of the suffering, and I, my heart is so burdened, and I'm like, I, I would go, Lord, if, if I knew exactly what to do, I'd do it. Listen, we have to be moved so that we would be willing to go, Lord, if you tell me to do this, I'll do it. Because it'll help this one or that one. They went out of the way to, to bring their friend to Jesus. And it's required at least two things. One is it required a little bit of hard work. It wasn't no wheelchair, okay? You can't, I don't know, I don't know exactly how you get somebody off of a roof that doesn't hold their own weight, but I imagine it was kind of difficult. All right, so they're putting in this hard work. They're climbing on top of a roof with, with someone who can't bear their, their own weight. I imagine they're sweating. They're putting in some hard work. And not only are they putting in hard work, is they're not worried about being awkward. I imagine it was an awkward situation. How would you feel if somebody broke up in your roof? Excuse me. You know, like, I imagine it was a pretty awkward situation that they started just digging up somebody's roof. I'm sure it, it's not socially acceptable to do that now. I don't think it was socially acceptable to do it back then either. I don't think there's ever a time where it's socially acceptable to just start breaking somebody's roof. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to embrace this, this, this awkwardness. I'm going to embrace how they, they would think of us tearing up their roof. They probably didn't like it. I'm, whatever. I'm just going to embrace all of that so that I can help my friend. Listen, we need to see the needs of others around us and bring our friends to Jesus. And the reality is sometimes that will be hard work. One of the things is, let's just be honest, it's hard emotionally. There have been folks that I've, I've pleaded with to come to Christ. And there are steps back and steps forward. And then they, I can't tell you how many times I've been ghosted. You know what ghosted means? Okay, y'all know. I've been ghosted so many times. And it's hard emotionally to keep on pursuing people because you want to protect yourself. You, you, you want to build a wall around your heart. So it's hard, right? It, it takes your time. Sometimes, l- l- listen, sometimes in ministry, it takes time that you didn't plan. Yeah? If you're going to get involved with somebody's life and seek to help them, you can't always schedule that. But if you're going to care deeply about people, you're going to allow it to interrupt some of your time a little bit. 
It's going to take some resources at times, right? And y'all, sometimes it's just going to be plain awkward. Confronting others about their need for Jesus is awkward. You just need to just, I know you feel that, but just own it. It's awkward. It's weird. Not only that, let's say there's a brother or a sister in in Christ and and you're trying to, to talk to them about their lack of obedience to Jesus. That's awkward too. Welcome to the ministry of awkwardness. I didn't know that's what I was signing up for when I signed up to be a pastor, but that is exactly what it is. I was meeting one of my mentors in ministry. He said, he said, actually, the majority of ministry is conflict. And he's absolutely right. Because you're, you're either trying to, to convince somebody of something they don't believe is true, or somebody's heart is hard, or you're chasing somebody because they don't want to hear the truth of the Lord. Listen, it is awkward, and you just need to embrace it. It is what it is. I remember when I was first learning how to share the gospel or how to talk to people about Jesus, I was, you know, I was in high school and I was like, I don't even know what to say. Like, what? you know, you kind of think of something clever, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it'll just, you know, they'll just, they really want to hear if I say it real nice. And I finally, I just got tired and I just walked to people like, hey, how are you and Jesus doing? That's an awkward question, but it got an answer. Hey, what's up? How are you and Jesus doing? They're like, oh, we in a conversation. Look, look, you just got to embrace it. Listen, sometimes when, when you're going to walk around and pray in the neighborhood, it's going to be awkward. Okay? We're trying to invite you to, to serve in these ministries, that whether you're playing basketball with some high schoolers, whether you're, you're kicking a soccer ball with some elementary school. Listen, it's going to be awkward. And you can't let the fact that it's awkward and uncomfortable to prevent you from going to serve. Because listen, if these four friends did not embrace the hard work and the awkwardness of getting their friend to Jesus, their friend would not be healed and not be forgiven. And so we just have to embrace the fact that if we are actually going to help people, if we're actually going to minister to people, that we better just get our minds right. And it's going to be a hard work and there's going to be situations in which I don't know if I should say it like this. I don't know. Look, you just embrace it. And what I love about it, Jesus looks at these crazy friends, at their hard work and their awkwardness, and he honors them. Jesus honors their faith. Look at verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw and honored this secondhand faith. He's referring to the faith of of not not the dude who's sick, but he's looking at the friends and saying, Y'all didn't show some faith. Let me show you that I saw that faith. Jesus saw the effort and the faith of this man's friends. And you need to be encouraged because Jesus sees the faith that you have for others. I know that many of you are burdened. Maybe there's a child that you're burdened for, a brother, a sister, a parent, neighbor, coworker. You got folks that you're burdened for. And you wonder, does does God see it? Does does God hear it? Does does God know that I want something to happen, something positive to happen? And listen, we can see from this text that Jesus honors that faith. Jesus sees our desires and our hopes for those we love. And we need to remember this when things do not seem to be going well. I don't know how much time it takes to hoist a man up on a roof and dig it out, but I'm sure it takes a little bit of time. And I'm sure as they were in this process, in the back of their head, they're like, is this even going to work? I don't know. 
just keep going. Are they, is Jesus even going to like this? I don't even know. I don't know. Can we, can we hoist him down there? He might be a little heavy. I don't know. Listen, I'm sure they had a lot of thoughts in their heads, a lot of doubts that could have, could have clouded their minds. But know this, that God sees our desires and our hopes for those that we love. And here's the craziest thing. Jesus gives the man above and beyond what his friends had hoped for. They brought him there to get healed. And he got forgiven. Think about this. Listen, here's what you got to know. Healing in this life is temporary. All of it is. You know, the guy that Jesus raised from the dead, Lazarus, he did die at some point. All healing is temporary. And it's, it's a gift from the Lord if we get it. But there is a deeper need. There is a need for divine forgiveness. Because the reality is, that man is four friends, and all of us have offended God by our sins. And we don't get to spend eternity with him unless we have that for divine forgiveness. What a travesty it would have been if that man would have got healed, but then spent eternity away from God. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have really helped him in the end. But listen, listen, Jesus sees the greatest need of this man, looks at his friend's faith and says, I know you wanted him to be healed, but I'm going to give you one better. He's going to experience divine forgiveness. Man, we can see the, the love of Jesus displayed to this man and to his friends. And, and I don't know about you, but I think the scriptures say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus honored their faith for their friend, will he not also honor our faith? Is he not the same Jesus? Now, this, this, when we get to the next part, Jesus, Jesus starts flexing. Jesus demonstrates his authority. Look at verse 6. It says, But some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. What's crazy is, is the scribes, they didn't even, they were thinking, they didn't say anything to Jesus. They were thinking in their own hearts. They were being what you call salty. Okay? They were being, they were, they were all up in their feelings. I don't know if they showed it in their face or not, but Jesus knew. Jesus could see, see past the facade of silence and see, oh, no, no, I understand exactly what's going on in your heart. See, Jesus sees past the charades. Jesus sees it when we just play church, when we just claim the title of follower but don't actually follow. When we, when, we, when we say good things about God, but in our hearts we're, we're, we're harboring some frustrations, he sees all of that because he knows our thoughts and intentions. That means we might as well be honest with him and confess, right? If he already know. You know that term, red-handed? I didn't know what that meant for a long time until I had kids who liked the color. You know what I'm saying? And so... We might find some coloring on the wall. I'd approach my son. I'd say, did you do it? Wasn't me. <laughs> Your hands look red from the coloring. You know what I mean? Like, 
looks like you did it. It was him. Now, his hands are clean, though. I think it was you, though. His, th- th- that's how foolish we look when we try to hide our sin from God. We try to hide what we actually think. That's, that's what we look like. Look, Jesus explains the purpose of his signs and his miracles. He did this so that everyone would know he has power to forgive. In fact, that's the purpose for all of them. Why is Jesus doing signs and wonders? One, he has compassion. But two, when he says, I'm the Messiah, and you go, how do you know? You go, look, there's some people walking around. I wasn't walking yesterday. Jesus showed the authority that we could see so that we would know he has authority to forgive sins. This is, this is, this is a major flex. Jesus is like, oh, you don't think, you don't think I can forgive sins? Look. Can you make somebody walk? No, you can't. So you might as well believe that I can forgive sins. What's crazy is, and and the reality is, is they were on to something, right? Because Jesus said, sons, your sins are forgiven. And they thought rightly, well, only God can forgive sins. That's the right thought, right? Sins are offenses against God. and, And usually you have to seek forgiveness of the one you offended. All right. So, so if you went and, and hit, you know, your friend and you came to me and said, will you forgive me? I'm like, well, it was, you might need to go talk to him, right? It wasn't me. You need to, need to go rectify that with him. Here's the craziest thing. Jesus can forgive sins because he's God. How could he forgive sins if they weren't sinned against him? He could, offend, he, could, he could forgive them because they were offenses against him. Only one, uh, who, only one can forgive if they are the one being sinned against. And Jesus forgives sins because he loves us. He looks at that man, that paralyzed man. He doesn't say, dude, man, crazy person. He says, son, son. The one that I love, the one that I, I care for, son. Your sins are forgiven you. Then we go down to verse 12, and and we can see this teaching. I want y'all to get this, that Jesus often brings us healing as we obey. Look at verse 12. Immediately, he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, just pause for a minute. What would have happened if the paralyzed man didn't get up. Because the, 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 the picture is Jesus says, get up, and he gets up. What if he's like, but I can't, though? Well, he's like, I don't want to try. I don't want to get disappointed. I, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if I should do that. I, I don't know if I have the ability. I don't know if you're going to heal me. Listen, listen, the craziest thing is if he had not obeyed Jesus, he would not have been healed. But listen, listen, Jesus often heals us as we obey. For example, you might say, Jesus, I, I got a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. It's all up in there. It's in the nooks and crannies. Will you forgive me? And then you just kind of wait. Or it could be, Jesus, I got un- un- bitterness and unforgiveness, and, and, and I, would you heal me as I love and serve those who have wronged me? Yeah? Listen, listen, listen. Jesus often heals us as we obey. I know that there are many in here who are are tired and they feel wounded, and you're waiting. You're waiting. 
But I'm telling you, Jesus often brings you healing as you take steps of obedience. It's not that you have to wait and go, I'm not going to move until he does something. But as we obey, Jesus brings healing into our life. And see, Jesus was shown to have authority to heal and forgive. Nobody who was, who was witnessed that could get it twisted. They could come back, yo, let me tell you what happened. This dude said he forgives sins, and then he made a dude walk. I think he can do both. That is what is displayed in the lives of the saints. I don't know about you, but, but have you been healed by Jesus? Has he fixed some stuff in your heart? Have you been forgiven? Sometimes when I think about sin, I just I think about it as a, as a train that follows me and never stops. You seen a train that just keeps going? You're like, where the caboose at? I don't know. It's that, that's what I feel like my sin is. It's, it's, it's all the way down there. It's all the way down there. But here's the deal. No matter that I got a train of sin, my own sin that follows me, Jesus Christ forgives me. And the reality is, our lives bring glory to God as we are forgiven and as we are healed. Now think about it. in this, this scene, this man, he gets healed, he gets forgiven. Everybody else who's there is probably like, well, maybe I can get some too, <laughs> right? Like, man, look at what he can do. Look at how he can heal people. Listen, Jesus, what I love is Jesus, this is the gospel, y'all. Jesus died and rose so that we will be forgiven. The ministry of Jesus will be, un, will be incomplete without his death. He could have healed everyone and been loved by everyone, yet not have accomplished our salvation if he had not gotten up on that cross. They, listen, listen, they, they, did, they, they didn't kill him because he healed people. They killed him because of who he said he was. That I, I have the authority to forgive. And Jesus, listen, I want you to imagine. Imagine Jesus' life if he never ruffled any feathers. If he just wanted, look, if there's a guy in, around us that just healed people and didn't ask you of anything, I'm pretty sure he'd be a well-liked guy. He might have a TV show. I don't know. They were like, man, look at this. He'd just be healing people. Do you want to do anything? Nope. You know, <laughs> just whatever. No, but because Jesus makes demands and Jesus makes claims, he gets up on that cross and he dies for our sins. To make it even more personal, when Jesus was looking at that paralyzed man and said, sons, your sins are forgiven. The sins that that man had committed were going to be placed on Jesus Christ on the cross. And the sins that you have committed are placed on Jesus Christ on the cross. So that when he looks at you and says, son, daughter, I forgive you. Listen, you can see the evidence of the forgiveness on the cross where he dies and he bleeds and he, and he, he weeps and he, he calls out to his father and to help. That is him forgiving you. And his love moved him to suffer and to die for us. Ephesians 1, 17, it says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. It means his blood purchased us. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And he didn't stay dead. He, he rose again and continues to offer healing. But most importantly, forgiveness. <laughs> so when we're trying to bring people to Jesus, we're not, we're saying, hey, Jesus is alive right now. You could have the healing and the forgiveness right now. 
Listen, how, how is it that we would bring others to God? I got three things. The first way is that we would bring others to God by prayer and intercession. Y'all know I'm a nerd. So there's this, this guy who wrote like 10 books in prayer in the 1800s. This is a quote. He says, he says, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. He will never talk well and with real success to men for God who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. Listen, listen. If we want to bring people to God, the first step is we bring them to God on our knees. Before we say a word to them, before we make a ministry, before we concoct a plan, we get on our knees and say, say, this person needs to be with you, God, and I can't make it happen on my own. Lord, would you draw this person to yourself? Bring them to God. Bring them to yourself, Jesus. You would say, well, what, what ought I to pray? How should I know how, what, when I'm praying with somebody else? What, I, what should I say? Well, I, I want to recommend that, that you would pray the scriptures over people. Listen, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, it says, it says, In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. When I was, when I was uh, walking to the, the FCA Bible study at Carolina High School on Friday morning, I was like, Lord, would your word spread and be honored? Would it spread rapidly? Would, you, would, 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 would the people in this lunchroom know who you are? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we say your kingdom come, what do you think you're asking for? Lord, would your goodness and your glory and your peace come here and in that life and in that life and in that life? Listen, I want, I want us to learn how to pray hard and to pray with boldness. In Acts chapter 12, one of the apostles, Peter, he's arrested for, for preaching the gospel and he's in jail. And this is what the church decided to do when he's in jail. In verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. Get that fervently. Not like, Lord, if you think maybe, you know, no, no, no. Lord, we need him to be released. Lord, please deliver him. The Lord answered. Listen, listen, if our friend and our neighbor is in need, we need to be fervent. You know, there's this, this um, story that Jesus gives as a parable about prayer. And he says, it says, it's kind of like this. Imagine there is a widow and she went to go see a judge and the judge was wicked. He was a bad judge. He didn't care. But the widow said, give me justice, give me justice. And she came every single day over and over and over again. And then the, the unjust judge said, listen, I don't really, I don't care about God. I don't care about people, but because you kept coming, I'm going to give you what you asked for. And then Jesus says, how much more will your father give you what you asked for? Beloved, praying boldly and with fervency is not a lack of faith, but it is a display of faith. Remember that the friends, they worked hard and they also were shameless, right? Listen, I, there, there's a story in the Old Testament where, where Jacob, he's one of the, the patriarchs, he sees the angel of the Lord, and he does something crazy. He, he wrestles him. He wrestles this angel and says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Said so he wrestled him all night. And you know what? He got blessed. 
Beloved, we have to wrestle with the Lord in prayer. Nothing is too hard for him. No case is too big. Let's wrestle. So we bring others to God by prayer, and then then also we bring others to God by our witness. Remember this man in the story, as he was healed, as he obeyed, as he was forgiven, everybody go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. (laughs) What is going on? And it says they gave glory to God. I, listen, I know this to be the case. That I've seen God work in your life. I've seen, seen God do great things in your life. And I, I know people are noticing it. Let's give God glory for that. People notice as God works in you. So as you obey God and as you receive healing, other people are going to go, wait, wait, whoa, what's going on here? And last, I'll say we have to invite people to encounter Christ. And I'm going to give you a strategy that's somewhat old school. Like, how do I invite people to encounter Christ? Invite them to church. I know that sounds old school, but <laughs> invite them to church. Why? Why? You're like, well, how do I know where Christ is? Well, I know where Christ promised to be, right? I know when his people gather, he said he's going to be there. I know when, when the Bible is preached, I know he's going to be there. I know that, that when we take communion, I know he's going to be there. Listen, he has made some promises about where he's going to be. And you're like, how do I bring people to Jesus? We'll bring them to where he is. In 1 Corinthians 14, they're, they're talking about how God is, is working in the church. And it says an unbeliever comes in there and it says he falls face down and says, surely God is here. Not only that, Jesus said that that the world would know who he is by the way that we love one another. Listen, we have people from different backgrounds loving and serving one another. It sends a message and goes, well, maybe this Jesus person is real. So I know it's old school, but invite somebody to church. Not so that we could just build build a big church, but so people can meet Jesus Christ. Let's bring them to where he is. Maybe you're in here and you yourself haven't felt that peace, that welcome from Christ personally. If that's you, I'm glad you're here because Christ is here today to welcome you. If you would call on him, he won't say go away. He won't say not now. He'll say come. Later when we have a a time of prayer, you're like, I want to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. Come up and talk. And we'll pray and we will, we will seek the Lord together. And the reality is I know that many of us are weak and we're weary and we're tired. The call to come to Jesus is not just for the initial salvation. It's for every day. And so those of you who are bearing heavy burdens today, come to him. His shoulders are broad enough to bear them. He can bear them much, much better than you can. He doesn't bear them because he begrudges it. He bears them because he loves you. So come to him. And ultimately, we all run to Jesus because he has authority to forgive us. And we can hear that prayer. Listen, I can't hear the pronouncements of the forgiveness of sins enough. I need to hear it again and again. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have forgiveness. 
You can be accepted. You can be loved today, tomorrow, and forever. That's why we run to him, and that's why we bring others to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. You are so kind and so generous and so merciful. Jesus Christ, you have authority to forgive sin, and, and you, you are so generous with that authority that you would forgive every single person who would ask. And Lord, you are here to provide healing in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would run to you no matter the obstacle, because we need to be with you. And that we would be a people who would bring others to you, no matter if it's hard work, no matter if it's awkward. Because where else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Where else can anyone go? But only to you. So Lord, would you, would you equip us to bring our friends, to bring those we know, those around us, bring them to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.